Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Phoenix. Sons of Loser, 131-122 at home to the L.A. Clippers. Kevin Durant didn't play. Suns lost the first quarter 35-20. Devin Booker, what happened? Uh, we got to start games better with a sense of urgency. Um, just be ready for the fight. You know, we're fighting uphill battle the whole game. And it seemed like it. They did come back in the second half, but too little, too late. Booker had 35 points on 11 of 15 shooting, but he couldn't counterbalance the Clippers' big three. George, Leonard, Harden, 85 points. Suns take on the Miami Heat tomorrow at home. Tip-off, 7 o'clock. Bad news to start 2024. For the last game of the year, they won't have their left tackle. Head coach Jonathan Gannon. Got uh, a torn ACL, um, so we'll go through the process of getting that fixed, and he'll be back better than ever. All right, quarterback, you're the man, Kyler Murray. How do you feel about this? You've known DJ a long time. Yeah, I was watching him today do um, some of the exercises. There's kind of like PTSD about you know that situation. Um, you know, not, not just losing him, you know, him, the guy, you know, caring about him. It's now week 18, time for the last game of the year. They take on Seattle at home Sunday, kickoff 225. <laughs> Coyotes are one point up on Kraken and Oilers. That, that sounded weird. Duck Kraken and the Oilers for coming up. What, what does that mean? Duck. Coming up, Kraken. Uh, Kraken and Oilers trying to get the last playoff spot. Boy, am I choking. Home versus the Islanders tonight, who are in third place, but only two points up on the final playoff spot in the East. Face off, 7 o'clock. Sun Devils have a hard time guarding bigs. Tonight, they take on probably the best big in the conference. Bobby Hurley, how are you going to handle Carlson? Yeah, he's a tough guard because, uh, you know, he's uh, he's very versatile and, uh, you know, he, they move him around the floor quite a bit. You know, he's obviously a big-time shooter for a seven-footer. Brandon Carlson's averaging 18.5 points a game. Tip-off is a late one tonight in Tempe at 9 o'clock. Tommy Floyd was frustrated on the very first question from the media trying to compliment him for having a 20-point differential in any game following a loss. Hey, no mind. It's, 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 it's a non-topic. We got our ass kicked last game. We're coming to play in a, a team that's really good. And I knew they were going to be good all summer. Colorado's got a great program, and I mean, they got a really well-built team. And it's going to be a real challenge. Buffalo in Tucson tonight, tip off 7.30. Antelope's 12-1, receiving votes in the top 25 at Southern Utah tonight at 6.30. And finally, meet Jose Guadalupe Perez Gallardo. 
place where called to the home office of Blue Sky Plumbing in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Someone called 911 said they noticed a hole in a fence and then had security footage of a man stealing tools. But when the police arrived on the scene, they saw a getaway car, or what they thought. It was the getaway car. But the person driving didn't know they were the getaway car. Jose Guadalupe Perez Gallardo had stolen $9,000 worth of tools, put them in a backpack, and then called an Uber. (laughs) The police questioned the Uber driver, and he said, I'm here to pick up a Jose. The police said, okay, never mind kind of having a suspicious idea about it they walked away from the uber and waited and jose showed up with the backpack they promptly arrested jose and the uber driver went and found another client jackpot unplugged army i feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass whirlwind plus here's what you get you sign up for a tea time anytime between now and five days from now and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30 percent up to 60 percent off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. I, I would honestly say, when you look back on my time on planet Earth, January 3rd of 2024 will go down as the single nuttiest day of my life. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. All the things that happened to me yesterday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass tomorrow. David, your light, get your, the lamp gets lit tomorrow. Beer Friday tomorrow. Jacked up. Thanks, 100 Mile Brewing Company. Um, I got a lot to do today. I, I, I love to sit and talk to you for a while before we start. 
but I'm going to fly through some things because I couldn't believe how strong Tommy Lloyd was in his press conference yesterday for U of A. I mean, I he sends messages through the media. He totally manipulates the media. I have no problem with that. But we've got to get to it. Bobby Hurley was really open about a whole bunch of things. And I want to tell you about a funny text exchange that I had during that, uh, during that press conference. So I got that for you. Bad news. Cardinals to, to get to today. And then that trash first quarter from the Suns. And I got, uh, I got a man, got a lot of things on my mind to get to today. Before I get rolling, uh, Jeff Weir Production, how was your day? Anything thrilling happened for you? No, nothing too thrilling. Uh, went home, lazy again. Okay. I'm just always so tired when I leave the office. What time do you wake up in the morning? I get up around 2.30. Yeah, I don't know why you're tired, man. That's dumb. <laughs> step up, step up. Uh, I, you know, I got to tell you, it's funny you bring that up. I don't know if you know the name Randy Mueller. He is a longtime general manager in the NFL. Uh, I, I believe Saints and Seahawks were his permanent jobs, but he, man, he worked hard moving his way up the ladder. And now he's a media contributor with The Athletic and does a really good podcast. So I uh, he wrote an article for The Athletic saying he thinks Kyler Murray should be the 2024 starting quarterback. Well, as a lot of you know, I, I'm of the opinion, I don't mind if you think that because of the salary cap. I disagree with you if you think he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And, and I'm ready to move on from Kyler. So there's a lot of different areas, but here's a very experienced man saying I would go forward with Kyler. Since I am not necessarily in agreement, I texted him and said, hey, do you mind coming on the show tomorrow? And he texted me back almost immediately and said, let me get back to you. So I said, okay. So I was hoping to have Randy Miller on the show today. And, uh, and, and he texts me back at like, I don't know, 11.45 last night? I, I didn't stop working until about 12.30. So he, he texted me back about 11.30 last night. And it says, no, I can't, but I could easily do it next week. Does that work? So I texted him right back. And I said, man, thank you so much. Absolutely it does. What's best for you? So I get a text. or I said, how about Tuesday? That's what I said. So how about Tuesday? Tuesday night. So I'm going to record him Tuesday night. He'll be on the show coming up next Wednesday. Well, then I just got a text from him at 530 in the morning. Now, I believe he lives in Seattle. So that's 430 in the morning his time. I just got a text back from him that says, yeah, Tuesday night will work. So he's texting me at 1130 at night, well, 1030 at night, his time, and 430 in the morning, his time. And I'm thinking, man, this guy works the strangest hours I do. What I'm praying is that he doesn't have some kind of scheduled texter where he texts something and then holds the text for a while and it's scheduled to go out to somebody later, like a tweet could be scheduled. I hope he doesn't do that. Because each time I texted him right back, and he might not have wanted me to text him back. But that was weird. So there's crazy hours just like you done by somebody that's just a media dude. That was kind of uh, awesome to see. All right. I got to tell you, two quick stories that are, are just – this was a, a strange day, a totally strange day for me yesterday. Um, one of them is I, I, I learned a difficult situation that a friend is going through. So listen to that story. Felt terrible for that. Then after that, 
I get a call from a friend, and I'm sorry, I can't, like, I hope you trust me, like, you, like, my wife gets frustrated with me all the time for how open I am with you, but I feel like you being in the Unplugged Army, I don't have a job without you, my kid doesn't go to college without you, I, I mean, you are my lifeblood, so I consider you family in the Unplugged Army, and that's why I'm so open and honest about stuff, so I hope you trust me in the sense of, I can't go terribly deep. Because some of this stuff is very, very sensitive right now. Some of it for security reasons, and then others of it is for future things that are happening at WTSM TV. And it's, that's not my story to tell. So I can't go too terribly deep. But I got to tell you the weirdest thing in the world of my life. I got a call from a friend who let me know somebody walked into a building in Phoenix claimed to be me and then started walking around the building dictating how things were going to be set up <laughs> and, and, and then the final question was was that you <laughs> and i was like wait what what I, I mean it was the craziest conversation i've ever had i mean think about how weird that is Somebody says they're you, and they think that they're in charge of something. I got to tell you, whoever that was, I'm sorry. to You might even be a friend of mine. I'm sorry to be a jerk. You're one of the top five dumbest people I know, if, if, if I know you. Number one, I got fired. I mean, do you understand what that means? Uh, the most powerful sports talk ta- station in the city said after 15 years, you're no good. Go away. Do you think my name really has a lot of power that you would use it? <laughs> That's so dumb. And then secondly, did you not think eventually someone would figure out, wait a minute, that's not Doug. <laughs> I just, because anybody that knows me, anybody that knows me would know one thing. I'm not walking around your building. I don't care. I'm sorry. I don't care about your building. Okay, I care about God, Jesus, beer, my wife, my kids, golf. That's it. And it's arguable what order some of those things are from time to time. That's, there it is. My baseball glove used to rank higher, but now I, I, I don't know. I don't play anymore. I mean, it, it was great. Nothing else matters to me. Well, my job. So I got to throw that in there. I really do love my job. I love doing the podcast. I love talking to you. I love hanging out at restaurants with you, things like that. I like coming into work and talking to Jeff and Izzy. But I just, how weird is that? How weird is that story? So I, I got that. Then I, uh, I go to a Bobby Hurley uh, media availability yesterday. And uh, somebody in the media says something about how difficult that it was for this team to rebound after the San Diego loss. They lost, ASU earlier in the year lost to the University of San Diego. I happened to be friends with their head coach. So I texted coach and, and said, hey, I got to tell you this. Somebody just said this in the room. And he texted back, and this is kind of funny. He said, hey, we needed that win more than Bobby did. Bobby's doing a great job. We, we got we to get wins. And I thought that was kind of funny. So then... Bobby Hurley comes walking into the room and I probably go to one media availability 
every five or six weeks. I'm selling the podcast. I'm selling WTSM. I'm meeting with future potential clients. I'm meeting with people that have ideas for the podcast. I am trying to be a good dad and husband. I am trying to do more at church. I, I, I'm watching games and prepping for the show. So I just don't have a lot of time to get to a lot of press conferences. But it's really important that I'm there to say, hey, even though I got fired, I'm still in the media. Everybody, please remember me. So I, I'm there, and it was the first time I've seen Bobby in a couple months. So he walks by me, and he walks into the presser, and he goes, hey, I'm glad you're here. Happy New Year. I said, thanks, Coach. Happy New Year. He sits down. We do the press conference, and then he's walking out, and I stood up, and I just said, how's the family? How are you? And we, we chit-chat for a little bit, and then we do the bro hug, and he walks out. So that was nice. You know, it was nice to catch up and, and know that we're still got a solid friendship, even though I'm a putz now, you know. And then I'm walking out and some, I say, quote unquote, kid, but some college kid stops me with the weirdest question. He then says, who are you? <laughs> and I said, what? And he goes, I, I just I just wanted to know who you are. And I said, oh, OK, my name's Doug. Who are you? And he goes, I, I, I forgot the kid's name already. And he goes, what, how do you know Bobby? And I said, oh, I'm in the media. And he goes, well, I'm in the media and I don't know Bobby. And I said, well, go up to Bobby sometime and say, hi, I'm in the media. My name's, and I repeated the kid's name and, and tell him who you are. And he goes, that's, that's what it takes? I said, well, how else do you get to meet people? How else do you know people? And he goes, well, that's how I talk to people. But I, I mean, that's, th- that's the coach. And I said, all right. <laughs> is he not a person? And the kid's like, oh, okay. I said, all right, nice to meet you. And then I walked off. It was so strange. And it shows you how old I've gotten. Hey, who are you? As a college kid, man, when I was important, like year five, six, seven of the show, of the old show, man, kids were kids were fighting like crazy to be interns. And then everybody in, in, in the corporate world stopped free internships. And once free internships were stopped, all of those kids stopped getting opportunities. And we never heard from them again. And then now kids didn't wake up in college and listen to Sports Talk Radio. They found out about me through internships and now here's this kid who are you it was it was a very 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 strange day oh and if you care i hit on my wife and got nothing there you go she's not gonna be happy that i said that but hey you know you're a husband it's life crap happens uh sound credits today azcardinals.com gave us everything we could handle with jonathan gannon and kyler murray sun's pr department set us a Frank Vogel and Devin Booker following last night's loss. And then we went on YouTube and we didn't, uh, we didn't have a chance to send somebody to the Bobby Hurley press conference, mostly because I didn't tell anybody I was going. If I was good at my job, I would have like communicated that. Uh, so we still, even though I was there, we took the sound off of Sun Devil Source's YouTube page. And then uh, U of A, I can't wait to get to the Tommy Lloyd today. U of A put up their press conference with Tommy Lloyd on their YouTube channel. And uh, we got, I mean, I got a lot to talk about with that. I, I think that's it. Anything on your mind, Jeff Weir Production? Nope. That's right. it. You nailed it. Well, well, player, player. Let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today. I, I got to tell you, I'm about ready to stop voting for any particular political party and just start voting for the incumbent political party, or excuse me, the opposite of the incumbent. Meaning if you're in office, I'm voting for the other guy. Now, I've always told you I'm not going to open up to you 
and talk to you about my politics because I guarantee you, wherever you are on the political spectrum, you don't like my politics. Either side, you're not going to like my opinion, so why should we talk about it? But there's one political opinion that I've got to talk about. I'm sick of our roads. We stink right now. Somebody get elected that's actually going to do something about this. And I don't want, and listen, ADOT just started this big public campaign to say all these nice things. Hey, we're doing this, Whitey. Hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're doing this. Oh my gosh, fix a pothole. Number one. Number two, design something. I was in Tempe, like I said, had to drive home through rush hour. And we've all done this 85 million times, but it just yesterday was the day where it rubbed me the wrong way the most. I'm coming down the 202 westbound, not the not the uh, the new 202, the old school 202, headed into Phoenix. And I just want us to think about what we have right now. When you're on that road, the 202, you're driving in rush hour as a single person driver, not your marital status. I mean, you're the only individual. You've got the HOV lane, which is about a four to $500 fine if you drive in. You've got two lanes that are going to first merge with the 51, then going to merge with the 10. But hurry up and zoom across three lanes before you get stuck on 7th Street. Then go into the tunnel. And you can choose to embargo into the right lane, try to pass 25 cars, but then hurry up and dive back in before you're forced onto 7th Avenue. Who designed that? Basically, the 202 is here are two lanes going into a downtown metropolitan area in a top 15 market. And what is considered to be, if you're just going by the population of the city itself. Phoenix is the largest city in America. I just mean population of city, not metro area. Metro area, we're about number 13. But the city, this is one of the biggest cities in the country. And we have a road that we say, hey, you only need two lanes during rush hour to get into downtown. I'm not telling you something you don't already know, but it's been like that for the entire history of this growth spurt that we've been in in the last 20 years. And no politician has stood up and said, I'm going to run on one campaign. Vote for me. I'll give you three. Do I really want to be governor of the state of Arizona? Not really. Not really. But you know what, Unplugged Army? I will serve if you vote for me. I will serve. If you want to start a write-in campaign for a political office that doesn't involve someone dying, because dying is gross, so I, I don't want to be county coroner. I don't even know if we have coroners anymore. Don't vote for me for that. But anything else, anything else, vote for me. I'll give you three. There's going to be three lanes guaranteed from Phoenix to Flagstaff. There's going to be three lanes guaranteed from Quartzsite to Douglas. And there's going to be three lanes guaranteed on any highway entering Phoenix. Done. And nothing else happens until that's done. You want to have your pet project? You go right ahead, Mr. Commissioner, Mr. Congressman, Mr. I don't care who you are. But nothing happens until I get what I want. We're building roads, and we're actually building roads without massive potholes, and we're hiring people to go out and fix potholes as soon as potholes get reported. 
We don't even have ice. We don't have salt. How do we have so many potholes? You can't drive westbound on the 202 from downtown to Tempe without ending up on your rims at some point during the drive. It's insane. And for those of us that drive over 80, it's getting dangerous. <laughs> Thank you. Anything you want to get off your chest, Jeff Weir Production, or are you, you all right? You could start driving under 80. Who are you? <laughs> How did I know that was coming? <laughs> you know what's crazy? I'm, I'm serious. When I first moved to Phoenix, I was the fastest guy on the road. I don't say that as a badge of honor. I just, hey, I'm a good driver. I know what I'm doing. Boom. And I know there's, listen, we all have lines in the sand for who we are as a person, right? I have moralistic statements and feelings that if you cross my line, I think you're a terrible person. Not really, but you know what I mean. And your line might be speeding. You hear that and you think I'm the most reckless human being in the world, but you do things that I just think are incomprehensible. We all have, you know, different things that set us off. Okay, speeding is not one for me, but I used to be the fastest guy on the road. I'm now I I now don't go into the left lane. I used to always argue, get out of my way, stay out of the left lane. I'm not in the left lane anymore. I'm getting past like crazy right now. It's it's crazy out there. I mean, now there are some people that have no business driving like that. No business. But I'm amazed at how fast we drive here in Phoenix. Uh uh, do you feel like that, Jeff? We're production as a Southerner, or does everybody in Tennessee drive ninety? No, 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 no. I, it's the second I moved out here, I was amazed at how many people they just want to get in front of you. Yeah, they don't care. They just want to get in front of the person in front of them. I hate the guy. I set my cruise, and then I don't, I don't want to touch it. Okay, I don't care if you want to drive faster than me, slower than me. I don't care. I wish we could put a light on our car, like a blue light. That says cruise. So everybody knows this is my speed. Quit screwing around. I can't stand the guy that passes me and then slows down, passes me and then slows down or passes me at one mile an hour and like and then tries to block me in for the car that's coming up in front of me when the car in front of me didn't do anything wrong. But dude, go. You want to pass me, then go. I, go I typically on. go about five miles an hour over normally, but you can't do that here. Yeah. Because every single person is going at least 20 miles yeah. an hour over. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. There's uh, there's there's my little rant for the day. Let's get into uh, Sons because I have I have now an hour to do to talk to like five different human beings. I got so much to do today, but I'm jacked up for it. So hopefully you love the information side of today's show. Let's start with the opening comments of Frank Vogel. And I like how Frank Vogel was strong about the issues into this game against the Clippers in which the Suns just simply, I don't like to say they didn't care. I mean, of course they care, but they didn't act like it in the first quarter. Well, I mean, I think they made a couple plays. They got that free throw line a couple times on some difficult calls. Um, You know, and they made a couple tough threes. You know, that, uh, you know, just gave him just enough separation that made it hard for us to get back in it. Had a couple turnovers during that stretch, but uh, really proud of how we competed. We didn't give up on a game. I think that's a positive attribute to our team. You know, I'm more concerned with how we started the game defensively. You know, I don't think we, we have the necessary disposition, you know, to guard a, an elite offense, you know, a team with a lot of firepower, creates a, a lot of different challenges with the personnel that they, that they have. And, 
you know, we just weren't, we didn't have to, they didn't feel us. They didn't feel us in the first half. So we got to start stronger, you know, in terms of the, the, the defensive disposition. Big fan of that. Um, 35 to 20 first quarter score. Clearly not focused and ready to play. Couple things. Number one, he says a couple calls didn't go our way. I like how he handled that. The Phoenix Suns did not lose this game because of the officiating. The Phoenix Suns lost this game because incredibly either lazy closeouts to the three-point line or completely unfocused players on the game plan or C, your game plan stunk. I don't know which one of the three it was, okay? That was horrible. Their first quarter was a disaster. Any negative thing you want to hear from me about the Suns' effort, yes. It's, it's not a personal attack, but it's close. They were that bad in the first quarter, okay? That's number one. But let's, the refs are a separate team. So when you rip ref, to me, when you rip refs as an excuse for your own play, you're a joke, all right? The refs are out there. That's the league's issue. But again, Adam Silver, I brought this up to you before. You are half the commissioner people say you are. You actually put that product on the court and sell it and you sleep at night? You think that officiating last night was good? There were, let me do the math, 58 free throws last night. 58. Now, yes, the players need to adjust. Figure it out. But 58 free throws? And and the Suns ran out of challenges because they were right every time. Your refs were so bad that every time you they screwed up, the Suns tried to challenge, got it right, and then couldn't challenge anymore. Because, Adam Silver, you said, well, it's not our fault the referees stink, so we're only going to let you have these two challenges. How about this? All sports that have challenges. I don't like replay. I admit it. I'm tired of replay. I don't like the like, well, we got the technology. No, hurry up. Let's go. Fire people that stink. I got fired. It stinks to get fired. I'm not rooting for someone to lose their job. I'm rooting for them to do it right. But if they're not doing it right, let's find somebody that will. Fire bad umpires. Fire bad referees. But I'm tired of replay. If we're going to keep replay, everybody should have replay this one way, this one simple way. You get unlimited challenges until you're wrong. That's it. Unlimited challenges until you're wrong. Because if you have to, if, if the refs are wrong six times, how is that your fault? The officiating was terrible last night, and it has nothing to do with the loss. I love that Frank Vogel said a a sense of urgency. I love that Frank Vogel is looking at them saying that was not good enough. But is he saying it loud and clear in the locker room? I I hope so. Now, this was the second one. This was a strange exchange. I, I like Frank Vogel, but I never like it when a coach says this. Coach, you have a job to do. I have a job to do. The media has a job to do. We ask questions. You answer them. Because if you're a reporter, your job is not to write an opinion piece. Your job is to say what the coach said. Your, your job is to set up why the coach said it. So Dwayne Rankin, who I think is an outstanding reporter, asked coach about the lack of shooting aggression from Devin Booker. 
in the first quarter. Suns lose the first quarter 35-20. to 20. Devin Booker barely shoots. So he asks this question about Booker's lack, quote-unquote, lack of aggression. And then Frank Vogel answers the question with a question coaches use all the time that I just think is dumb. The reason why was Booker just looking to get other guys involved in the first half, or was he just not being aggressive as he needed? You watched it, You watched the first half? Yeah. You think he was getting double teamed every time he touched it? Well, I'm just, that's why I'm asking. That's why I'm asking. Could he have gotten off the ball and, yeah. and, and, they, and been able to get shots that way? I mean, they got two guys trapping him literally every, every time he came off anything. So he's making the right play. I realize there are certain members of the media that have a track history of negativity some are just jerks that is true some of them ask questions just to trap people that is true i understand that you have to be cautious in everything you say i i want to say that up front but Dwayne rankin is just asking because he needs the quote all right i will never forget a, a member of the of the media in kansas city this guy fascinated me. Super old guy. Uh, had a cigar all the time, but it was never lit. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he walked outside and smoked. But in the clubhouse, in the press box, he would just chew on a cigar. And he would sit there in a media scrum around a Royals player, around a Chiefs player, whoever it was. And he would just tell a guy, third inning, your air. That's all he'd say. Third inning, your air. Yeah, Ball came up on me. I tried to do this. I tried to do that. Got to make a better play. That was it. And then he would say something like, two outs, seventh inning, big strikeout. And then the and then the relief pitcher, yeah, I was able to get rid of this. He, I think he was looking here. By, and he'd get his quote. And that was it. He never asked a real question. He just set up a situation, waited for the answer, and was done. And after about a year or two, I asked him, how, how, how do you get away with this? And he looked right at me and he says, who are you? <laughs> no. He, he says, I, I'm not trying to impress the guy. Almost everybody I talk to knows more about the game than I do. So why do I need to ask a question that shows him what I know? You have a job. I have a job. I got to report what you did. That's it. So I ask a question. You tell me what it is. If you give me a bullcrap answer, then I'll come after you. And then he told me he talks to almost every new person in the sports world that he meets and explains how he does business and says, hey, you give me what I need. I'm not here to challenge you or anything else. I'm just here to be a reporter. You got a job. I got a job. And I look at the same thing with Frank Vogel. Dwayne Rankin is not after attention for Dwayne Rankin. Dwayne Rankin is an incredibly knowledgeable dude. He saw Devin Booker getting double teamed. But it doesn't matter if he writes a whole column based on his observations. That's not his job. He's the reporter. So he needs you as the coach to say, Devin Booker always comes into every game doing letting the defense dictate. He's not going to force up a bad shot. So when they double, then he moves the ball. And if they don't, he's going to hurt you. So... That's what happened. But when you go, did you watch the game? Then you're, you're challenging the man's intelligence or observations or actual focus he has for his own job. Why? That gets you nowhere. Bad move, Frank. Bad move. And I like you. Just, and listen, 
I do a lot more mistakes than one, but there's no reason to go there. Okay, number two. Um, I really did, after I kind of ripped Frank a little bit, I love this answer because he's. I think he's strong against his team here. The Clippers, especially when Harden's on the bench, are a real problem defensively. Every single person out there is an athlete, very long, and, they, and everybody other than Harden hustles. So they're – of course, if you're listening to the podcast right now, I have my arms out like I'm defending you to show you length because I can really stretch myself out on a small camera and make it look like I'm taking up the whole monitor. And that, that's what you're going to see when I'm guarding you. I am great at guarding you one-on-one until you move. If you just stand there, I'm good. The whole moving thing is a problem. (laughs) So the Clippers are great defensively, right? And the question is, how much was the Clippers' length a problem for you? How do you get around it? And he, Frank Vogel, acknowledged, yeah, they're good, but the problem's us. Yeah, it's a challenge, but, you know, if you attack it the right way, uh, you saw what we did in the second half. You know, we had 71 points in the second half. That's going to win for you most nights. Um, you just can't hold the ball, you know, and try to try to play too much ISO against uh, some of their elite perimeter defenders. Um, you know, if you keep them moving, yeah, you got a chance. Ah, I, I don't know who he's kind of targeting right there. Do you remember the other day when I told you Nurkic had a wonderful numeric game, but I felt like it had a lot to do with the aggression of the backcourt, driving to the paint, forcing the the other team's big to come off of Nurkic and then giving the ball handler the choice. Can I take it up strong and draw a foul on the big, or can I dish for the easy layup slash dunk to Nurkic? And they did that a lot. Nurkic did not play well in this game at all. Okay, so that's that's really important. Now, granted, Zubik didn't have a great game either. So they kind of canceled each other out. But I think a lot of it has to do that length limited the penetration or at least the effort of the Suns offense. So without a lot of ball movement, without attacking the paint, you didn't force anybody into real foul trouble. And at the same time, you then didn't find creases. So I like how he says, you know, too much ISO ball in the first half. And I think that's a little bit of a, not a shot at Bradley Beal, but I think it's just a reminder, Bradley, you can't get it all back in one game. We've got to move the ball. You're not on Washington anymore. And Beal's a good dude. He didn't do stuff selfishly. But that was they went back to how bad they were playing earlier this month in that first quarter. I like that Frank Vogel brought the heat a little bit, but I wish it was even stronger. And then the last question that, that I liked that the coach was asked is just why did Paul George get off? And, and, and whoever asked it, I think it was Doug Holler of The Athletic, acknowledged this guy's really good. It's a make-or-miss league, and this is one of the best shooters in the league. At the same time, you guys aren't doing well against the best player in the league. Like, whoever's the other team's best player, lately they've been having one of their best games against you. And Paul George got a hot start. What happened? Yeah, Paul got loose on. I'm frustrated with that more than anything about our first half. I mean, overall, just disposition. But, um, you know, we have some ways that that we can take him out of the looks that he was getting. And, uh, you know, I thought our our closeouts most of the first half weren't – they were too short on their lasers. We got four guys out there that – 
we want to take away the three ball from, and we did not have the, the necessary urgency to get to them just in basic closeout situations. But Paul got loose on some of the, the pin down action that, that we have coverages for that we didn't execute that. Um, you know, I was a little frustrated. We did a better job in the second half, but didn't start the game well enough on him. I really want to know who he's talking about. Because to me, it was everybody. But So maybe he is talking about everybody. But when he says lasers, what he's talking to is great shooters. So you try to penetrate, then you kick it back out to get a three. And he's talking about the closeout, which simply means as you get sunken in to protect the rim, how quickly do you get back out to your man when the ball movement occurs? And there's a token closeout where you just kind of walk up, like DeAndre Ayton would do that, where you just walk up and kind of put a hand up. Or there is the aggressive, I hate losing, I'm going to attack you with as much controlled abandon as I could possibly have without fouling you. I am running to put pressure on you. You will not hit this three-pointer. That is my job. And I take my job seriously. There's two. I mean, it is it is mindset and mindset only when you're talking about a closeout. And he says our closeouts were too short. That meant they don't come all the way out. Like, I don't think we should call them suicides anymore. I know that sounds a little politically correct, but I, I do believe in this one. Um, suicide is suicide. Someone dies, right? And yet we call them suicides when we were kids. I, I now call them lines. But you can always tell a loser when they run for for practice and they're the slowest one on purpose, not because they have genetic problems, because they just don't care enough to hustle. And then they stop short of the line. I will never forget this lesson. Coach Grushon, my freshman year in soccer. I am, we were doing something that were called perimeters where we had this soccer complex and we had to run around the entire perimeter. Okay. And I'm just a freshman, but what ended up happening is you run around this whole perimeter and the seniors were the leaders and they cut off two or three soccer fields, cut off a whole area of because we were running in the fog in, at 530 in the morning, six in the morning, and the coaches couldn't see us like they weren't smart enough to say, wow, you got back in a fast time. You must have cheated. But they cut off all of this area. Right. And so we get back and Coach Grushon tells me after once I get back, he says, you probably cheat in solitaire, don't you? Are you kidding? See, I'm a freshman. I'm just following. But I never thought, what does that say to everybody else if I would have kept going around and done it right? Some people would have been mad. Some people would have acted like I'm not a team guy. Some people would have thought that I'm showing them up. And other people who are actual winners would have thought, that's a guy that cares enough that he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He only cares about winning. Make plays, not friends. I didn't do that. I didn't even think about it. I just followed the path. But I don't want to be a follower. I wanted to be a leader, and I failed. And, of course, of all the freshmen, he comes up to me and says, you probably cheat in solitaire, meaning you care about winning in a made-up way. Like, who catches you if you cheat in solitaire? You have zero morals if you cheat in solitaire. It made perfect sense to me. It was it, like every now and then a coach says something to you when you're young and you like that now drives me. That helps me focus. 
I look at that as the guy that gets almost to the foul line and then runs back. Almost to midcourt and then runs back. He's always stopping a little bit short because he doesn't think that extra inch is going to count. It always counts. And when I look, watch last night's first quarter, that was a team that didn't think the extra inch mattered. That's, that's a soul problem. That's a leadership problem. Let's go to Devin Booker. And I, I hope Booker realizes somebody's got to lead this team, and it's him, even if they've got a Kevin Durant. Somebody's got to lead this team, and that was a game that lacked leadership. Book, what do you have to say about the game? Uh, we got to start games better with a sense of urgency um, and just be ready for the fight. You know, we're fighting uphill battle the whole game, and, you know, we showed some things in the second half of, you know, what it, what it looks like when we turn up the energy and we turn up the intensity. I, ha- I like Bradley Beal. I'm glad he's here. I think he's an incredibly smart basketball player. But I have a feeling Bradley Beal is just kind of ramping up from the injury. And therefore, he's ramping up intensity. And that's a negative. I'm not a huge... I was a fan of Eric Gordon until he mouthed off and was whining about his touches. I I think there's a lot of people on the team, and we'll get to it when we talk to Bobby Hurley here in a minute, that are focused on individual things of trying to get themselves right for later in the year. I'll be the first one to almost give excuses and say it matters how you're playing in March. And the pains you go through now should lead to wins later. But that's only if you're giving maximum effort. You can't walk through your job and then say, okay, now I'll turn it on. Because if you're failing at half speed, you haven't learned anything. You got to fail every day. If you fail every day at full speed, guaranteed, eventually every day becomes some days. And some days becomes occasionally. And occasionally becomes rarely. And none of us are going to get past rarely. We're always going to have days where we fail. All right? But you got to get yourself to rarely. And the only way to do that is everything you've got all the time. Sometimes everything you got isn't very much, right? Sometimes everything you've got isn't very good. It's okay because you gave everything you got that day. Earn your pillow every day. Protect your family. Defend what's right every day. But I, I look at what I saw last night. That was a team that thinks, you know what, I'll get ready later. Then in the second half, they go, oh, we're behind. We better start playing. That's, that's a leadership problem, both coaching and playing. But more, more players, when you don't have the courage to get in somebody's face and say, that's not how the Suns do it. Um, Booker, same question that Dwayne Rankin asked to coach. Let's ask you now. First quarter offense, a lot of passing from you but not a lot of, uh, of aggression to get your own shot. How come? Yeah, first three possessions, I got a few good looks um, and made them all, and I ran by their bench, and T. Lou said, not again. Um, I mean, I'm still looking for, you know, ways to be aggressive, but, you know, I'm past that phase in my career of, you know, forcing bad shots, especially when, you know, I trust everybody that's out there with me. <clears throat> He is dead on. Devin Booker, I, have you ever discussed a subject with somebody where you know 
they're right, but they don't get it. Man, Devin Booker would be so angry at me if, if, if we were friends and I said this to him. But I would challenge him on the point that he just made. He was getting double teamed. He was. He was making the right play. But what'd you do after? When I used to coach um, young girls soccer, I used to call it buying a ticket. We would have girls who would make the right play. Okay, even if they were with a better girl on the team and they pass it to one of the weaker girls, that was the right play. Good job. But then they bought a ticket. They would be happy with doing the right play and they would slow down. Okay, I realize this is the oddity. Do not take Steph Curry for granted. I'm not a Warriors fan. I'm a huge fan of Curry, the man, and the way he plays, but I never root for him because I, I don't want the Warriors to have success. That, that's, that's, true. that's being a true Suns fan. Respect the guy, respect the game, and hope he flames out. All right? Go Suns. But watch Steph Curry after he makes the pass. When does he stop? That man does not stop. And Devin Booker, there were quite a few times where you bought a ticket. You came down, they got the ball out of your hands, you made the right read, you did everything right to that point. And then it was like, okay, let's see what happens with the ball up, nobody could create, fine, I'll come back and get the ball now with six seconds on the shot clock, and we'll put up a bad shot. No. You truly are, maybe Paul George last night the way he played, but in my opinion last night, when the game started, not after people got hot, You were the best player on the floor. And the defense got the ball out of your hands. How does that end the play? Get it out of your hands and then move and get it back. Keep going. And I realize the whole offense is not designed around you. A lot of the things Steph Curry does, that's the design of the offense. Hey, let's get the ball back to this guy. I get that totally. But in the scrum of trying to get the ball back to... Steph, it sometimes opens up somebody else. And Wiggins or Thompson are able to get something or now that Looney's playing, blah, 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 not Looney, but, but blah, 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 blah. Other people have opportunities. Book, after you get rid of the ball, keep going. They've got to do so much to stop you that it's going to open up more things for other people. And I don't, I don't feel like he's being challenged to do that and reminded to do that. Booker wants to win. This is not one of those, I'm questioning whether or not Devin Booker wants to win. We all start doing things at work that if somebody we trust don't, don't point out and don't hold us accountable, we're going to miss. But, Devin, keep going. Keep going. Um, what are the defensive issues right now? Why was the defense so bad in the first quarter? Um, it's a collective. You know, it's everything you just said and – you know, I'd say the most important part is communication. Um, transition defense, you know, we tend to run to our matchups a lot instead of running to the open man. So, you know, they got a lot of clean looks and transitions and er- transition early. And, you know, that that's what causes fighting uphill battle the rest of the game. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. Beginning of the game, you're assigned this guy, okay? Where you your coverage is this guy, and then there's different coverages after the ball starts moving, after a screen, blah, 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 blah. But this is your guy. And he's talking about after a turnover, we have guys that are running to make sure, hey, my man didn't score. 
No, no, no. They scored on us. They scored. We lost this possession. Go stop the ball. Go pick up a man. And after we stop the surge, now let's find our matchups. Okay? It's just so simple, but I like, I, I like that specifically. And that's what people do that are either lost or selfish. I don't know which one. I'm not trying to make a personal attack. But you, you hear that. And I admit I didn't pick up on that during the game. I picked up on the fact that they weren't getting back. But I didn't pick up on the fact that when they got back, they were going back to their matchup. And then that gets confusing because one guy's just trying to stop the ball and another guy's trying to go get the ball. But then that means you're not going – like if I'm picking up your guy – sorry, I kind of stumbled around with that one. Let's say there's a turnover and I get back first and your guy's got the ball. Now I'm guarding your guy. You've got to be focused enough on the game plan to know who my guy is. You've got to be focused enough and hustling enough to go, number one, go get the next threat. Whoever's the next biggest threat, go cover him if you're the second one back. And after we get set, you've got to know Doug's covering my guy. i got to make sure Doug's covered. What's happening is I'm covering your guy, and then you run to cover your guy. What does that do? Now there's somebody else open, and there's a bigger threat open. You worried about you. I like that. That's good, D-Book. But are you really calling people out or are you acting like, hey, I got Bradley Beal, I got Kevin Durant, when everybody's healthy, we'll be fine. That's not learning at full speed. And right now this team is not playing at full speed. I don't care about the injuries. I mean every individual on the floor playing at full speed. So therefore the mistakes can be corrected as full speed mistakes. And now you can start getting better matchups. It was a bad game. Last one on Suns. I thought this was funny. Remember how I told you the officiating was god-awful last night? This exchange is interesting. He is asked about what happened with all the texts. You're going to hear a funny line, which means, Commissioner, I'm not paying a fine. But then when the next person brings up a question, and I kept the question in it, Booker goes back to the officiating, and I really like how he handles this. A lot of texts. Um, was that just part of just just the other game? No comment. Well, with the intensity of the game, how do you encourage uh, your teammates as well to uh, stay cool, calm, and collected? Because even with the intensity of the game, you were still pretty efficient, dropping 35 points. How are you able to stay cool, calm, and collected during these times and also encouraging your teammates as well? Um, I'd rather everybody was geeked up than being cool, calm, and collected. Um, you know, they came in, they threw the first punch tonight. Um, and that's something that we can learn from. Um, we got to be better, especially on our home court, protecting our home court. Um, you know, let us be the ones to decide how the ref's going to call the game and, you know, make the other team complain about, you know, foul calls or physicality. Um, tonight, that was us. Yes! <laughs> yes! That's exactly what I want to hear. Did the officiating stink? Absolutely. And what does whining about it do? Nothing. And that's what he said. Let us dictate to them how this is going to go. And then let the other team whine about it. The other thing I loved about what he said here, and I, and I got a question. Uh, hey, Izzy, can you hear me? Would you, uh, who do you think has more swag, D-Book or me? 
I think he's full of crap. He just yelled B. <laughs> well, you can't ask him that against D Book. He's uh, gonna say, "Hell, I have more swag than D Book compared to if Izzy's talking about." It. I mean, I mean, I think that okay. There's there's two elements to that. That is still Izzy being scorned from the days when he said Book's not a superstar <laughs> and he's not giving Book anything, or he's big time sucking up. You know, or but Izzy's the type. If, if you don't know Izzy, I have a guess. Izzy's the type of person that he's a pretend suck up, but really, as long as he's your friend, like if he's if he doesn't know you or actually doesn't like you, man, Izzy is straight laced, okay. But if he likes you, man, he's messing with your head. Okay, he did not mean that at all. He said, "I have more swag than Book." But the reason why I asked the question is Book, with all of his swag, said something that I say that I didn't know twenty year olds ever would say again. He said, "I'd rather have us all geeked up." Man, I say geeked up. Geek is a word from my 80s and 90s growing up. I love the fact that he said geeked up. I haven't heard a 20-year-old say geeked up in my life. I'm kind of jazzed about that. I've never heard anybody say they were jazzed about something. I just made that up. I don't think that's going to stick, to be honest. All right, me and my swag are going to go to a revenue-generating portion of the program. I still got Cardinals. I still got ASU. I still got U of A. And if I don't get to all of it, Izzy and Jeff will never talk to me again because they've been running around like nuts today getting everything I want to talk about. We've got a lot to do. we got an hour left to do it. Thanks for being a part of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Pay no mind. It's, 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 it's a non-topic. Here is Sue Riggler on starting 100 Mile Brewing Company. What started 100 Mile Brewing Company is I actually have a degree in microbiology from ASU. Go Devils. And went back to school. I found out that UC San Diego had a brewing program, so I enrolled in that. And with the intention of opening a brewery, I came back to Tempe because it's Sun Devil country. I wanted to open a brewery in Tempe, which fresh it never gets old is our tagline. And I'm pretty much a stickler about fresh beer. It's got to be fresh. Otherwise, it's not going to be served here. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 602-2-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. everything i've got going on this is a uh, this is a, a, a rude question i tell you what jeff we production you don't have to worry about working or searching what you're doing let's go cardinals let's do cardinals and we'll get to college hoop in a second but i'm i'm dying to get to the tommy lloyd even if you're an asu fan i think you're gonna get a kick out of tommy lloyd and and i like the way he handled his presser yesterday i think it's wrong for us as media and fans but why should he care 
you're, you've got to coach your players, and that's how you handled it, and that was a good thing. And the whole time I'm listening to Tommy Lloyd yesterday, I'm going, man, is he fired up. I thought it was funny. Like, I, I can't believe no one in the media asked Tommy Lloyd after his presser, are you mad? Are you mad, bro? I mean, it was crazy how, how angry he was getting. So hopefully we, uh, we have time to get to that because I really want to. Let's get into Cardinals and let's go kind of rapid fire here. But I, I want to give it its due. I mean, we got a game coming up in a couple of days and it's the end of the season. Let's start with Jonathan Gannon, the bad news for DJ Humphreys. And something I got to tell you, I disagree with what they're doing a lot, but I understand it. Here's JG when, uh, when he starts his press conference yesterday got uh, a torn ACL um, so we'll go through the process of getting that fixed and he'll be back better than ever and um, got in meetings today um, on to Seattle here looking forward to playing at home uh, winning a ball game versus a good football team what kind of blow is it for Humphreys personally to Tear that knee or tear that knee again. And- Blow for anybody, for us as a team, for him. You know, obviously he's a captain, one of our premier players. You know, it's uh, it's it's a part of the sport that is really hard. You know, you guys know how I feel what about the players. You know what they put into this, and you know the sacrifices they make, and um, him being who he is. Um, it's it's tough to swallow, truthfully. Man his size playing left tackle, tearing an ACL in week 17. There's a chance DJ Humphreys doesn't come back until Thanksgiving, probably around Halloween. So you've got a big chunk of 2024. You don't have him at left tackle. I disagree with what the Cardinals are about to do. I'll explain it in a second, but I want you to hear this question first before I tell you what I think about the D.J. Humphrey situation, okay? So he was asked a question about playing young guys. Now that it's week 18, last game of the year, does that affect any of your rotation to maybe get a better look at the young players? No, Bo, you've seen what we've been doing. We're trying to win win every game that we play. Um, this one is no different. we got a lot to play for. And... Um, the guys that be out there will be the guys that we feel can get it done. How do you encourage the guys to stay locked in knowing there's already sort of an eye towards the There is no eye towards the offseason, Zach. Uh, leadership in the locker room, and I'm very um, direct with how I want things approached, um, especially leading up into this last game. That's what we talked about a couple hours ago. And uh, our guys take to that, and uh, we'll go out and play well. Here's what I mean. There's always a debate on whether or not you're tanking when you're playing young guys. And he says, my job is to win. I'm going to play the best players that I've got. Okay. I respect that, and I've been screaming that for years. I was the one losing my mind when the Suns were tanking to try to get the number one pick in DeAndre Ayton. Look how that worked out for him. I am well, granted Aiton was great on that playoff run on their way to uh, a 2-0 lead in the NBA finals he was I bring this up for this reason Kelvin Beecham is going to be starting at left tackle coming up on Sunday let me be clear I'm trying to be Frank Caliendo's version of Barack Obama there it is without a shadow of a doubt 
one of the smartest men that's ever played for the Cardinals, not Sam Acho territory, one of the best human beings that's ever played for the Cardinals, one of the most professional people that's ever played for the Cardinals. All of that describes Kelvin Beecham, okay? A really great human being who happens to play football. And mentally, he's a better left tackle than Paris Johnson Jr., But I am not advocating tanking by saying Paris Johnson Jr. should play left tackle in this game. Absolutely to me. And the reason why I say that is why not get one look at him? You have got all of 2024 now where you need a left tackle. And your starting left tackle can't be Kelvin Beecham in 2024. So your starting left tackle is one of three places – In the 2024 draft, in 2024 free agency at the end of this season, or he's playing right tackle right now. Now, they are really smart people. Maybe they say there's no way we're ever moving him from right tackle. He is right tackle from from now until the end of time. It's one game at the end of the year, and you stink. This is a great opportunity. I think they should be moving Paris Johnson Jr. to left tackle for this one game. And I'm not saying he's going to do well. I don't know. Guy might bomb. Guy might be great. I don't know. But I think you have better information for your own draft needs and your own free agency needs if you know a one game. Can you? Does he do dominate? Great. He's your left tackle next year. Does he do good? Or okay, you know what? That gives you something to work with. Maybe we should start him at left tackle. Maybe we've got flexibility in the draft and free agency of either he's got to play left tackle, whoever we now sign or draft, or we can go after the right tackle because we trust trust Paris. And maybe he doesn't show you enough in that game. And you, you know what? We're, it's a safe bet. Keep it over here. I totally disagree with what the Cardinals are doing by starting Kelvin Beecham at left tackle. Only because it's the last game of the year. If this is a team that's a playoff team, or this is a team that's like at the early part of the season, man, I and you're hoping to go to the playoffs, I would keep Paris Johnson Jr. at right tackle. Put the brains at left tackle. Let Kelvin Beecham stick to it. Let him fill in. Let's not mess with the rookie right now. Let's see what he can do with the position he's worked out at all year. Okay? We're now in week 17. Technically, he's still a rookie, but you've heard it before. Freshman's no longer a freshman in March Madness. You know, things like that. Let's see. I guess this is a missed opportunity for the Cardinals. Um, All right. You heard it. We talked about it yesterday. Interview on KMVP. The head coach, Jonathan Gannon, says Kyler's the franchise quarterback. Now he was asked about that interview and says, wait, Kyler's been the guy since I've been here. No, Bo, you've seen what we've been doing. We're trying to win win every game that we play. Um, this one is no different. we got a lot to play for. And um, the guys that will be out there will be the guys that we feel can get it done. How do you encourage the guys to stay locked in knowing there's already sort of an eye towards the Lee, There is no eye towards the offseason, Zach. Uh, leadership in the locker room, and I'm very um, direct with how I want things approached, um, especially leading up into this last game, as we talked about a couple hours ago. And uh, our guys take to that, and uh, we'll go out and play well. I think you just played JG2, and I think you've already played JG2. 
that sound right? I'm sorry. That's all right. You're still my friend. Will you do me a favor and play JG3? Sure. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I said. What I said. I mean, there's. I've been convicted since I got here. Um, the player that he is, the person that he is, the competitor that he is. Um, you know, I kind of chuckled. That, that's that's been my view for since I got here. I got one more to play for you about the same topic. They asked a couple questions, and then somebody went back to the Kyler. Why do you believe he's the franchise quarterback? And, and then I want to talk about all of these as a whole. So here's the last one from JG on Kyler. We've been convicted for a long time that Kyler's your guy in the future. Has he done anything in the last seven, eight weeks to strengthen that belief? And so what? No, he's done everything I asked since I got here. Did it even surprise you that there was a question about that? Yeah, kind of. Why? Um, you guys watch the tape, don't you? Man, there's a lot here. Okay, number one, I, I am calling total bullcrap on Jonathan Gannon. Total bullcrap. And the reason why I'm calling total bullcrap on that answer is this has been, and I don't fault the media for this, this has been a media topic since the beginning of the season. And this is normal in the NFL. You have a right to blast the media and say, no, you guys drove this narrative. Listen, there's no such thing as an email that goes out to all members of the media and say, you all should think this way today, okay? Different members of the media have different opinions, all right? I am of the opinion, I think they should have moved on from Kyler a long time ago, all right? I totally get it that people disagree with that. I'm okay with that. And there's people that are really smart in the game of football that disagree with me on that. Now, number two, don't act like you didn't know this was the media narrative. Oh, I'm surprised I got the question. Every team since the beginning of time, when they have a quarterback on an accelerated contract and the general manager didn't draft that quarterback and the head coach didn't draft that quarterback, has always had a question of whether or not you're keeping that guy. Always. So there's nothing wrong with the media asking that question or having that narrative saying this is a tryout, especially in a draft when there's a it's a very quarterback-heavy draft. It's not quarterback-heavy in the sense of, wow, here are three can't-miss prospects. It's heavy in the sense there's a lot of guys who do a lot of good things, and those same guys do a lot of things that don't make them a clear-cut, guaranteed quarterback in the NFL. This is going to be the, one of the toughest quarterback evaluations ever in a draft. And don't act like these guys, uh, these guys are good at it. Remember, Baker Mayfield drafted number one. It was Rosen drafted, I think, number, thir- uh, number nine or 10, 13, somewhere in there. Lamar Jackson at number t- 32. And Josh Allen at number seven. Sam Darnold got drafted before uh, Allen. Sam Darnold got drafted before Lamar Jackson, okay? Um, Look how bad Zach White is. He was a number two pick, but not in the same draft. So there you go. They get this wrong. So this is a standard question. And at any moment in week one, week four, week eight, week ten, Jonathan Gannon could have stood on the table and said, guys, by the way, you know, I, I hear this narrative that's out there 
that Kyler Murray is not our franchise quarterback. Can we stop that narrative? I'm the one that makes that decision. Kyler Murray is my quarterback for 2024. You could have said that at any moment. Just so you know, there's media relations directors that go over this stuff with the head coach. What is the narrative that's going on? All the time. So the coach has the right to say something about it if they want to, even if they're not asked about it. All the time. So to all of a sudden now, week 17, act, yeah, I'm surprised. Don't you guys watch the tape? Of course he's our guy. Come on. That was, that was crap. It doesn't mean he's full of crap about Kyler being the 2024 quarterback. I'm not saying that. He might have made his decision. He might be the franchise quarterback. This might not be fluff at all about 2024. That's fine. I'm just telling you to now act. I'm, of course I'm surprised about this. Don't you guys watch the tape? Come on. You could have stopped that narrative anytime you wanted. You chose now. Um, all right, Kyler, there's, it went viral that you're playing in Philly. You're wearing a Sidney Crosby jersey who's a penguin, the rival of the Philadelphia Flyers. And then Sidney Crosby was asked about Kyler wearing his jersey. And Sidney Crosby actually said, yeah, I really want to know the story behind this. I'm kind of jacked up that he wore my jersey. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm interested in knowing the story behind that. Kyler acted like he didn't know who Sidney Crosby was. I'm sorry. Yeah, was, was what the story was Um, no, I mean, other than you know, I don't have a story. I don't have a special story about it. No, it's just, um, no, it's a great jersey. Um, obviously, he's a great player. Um, big fan. So that was yeah. The history behind it, he's kind of home. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's he's hated there, I guess. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I think it blew up on Twitter or you know on social media. I um, I wasn't trying to start a whole whole deal about it, but it was good. Though. It was good. That's like, what is that? I didn't. I didn't know. I honestly believe he did, he didn't realize he's wearing a Penguins jersey in Philadelphia. And, oh, yeah, I've heard of Sidney Crosby, great player. I, I got to question that one. It seemed like he didn't know what was going on, and he created the stir. Uh, you can skip the next one. Uh, let's go to Kyler 3, because I want to get moving, because I really want to get to uh, Tommy Lloyd. Um, Kyler was just asked the question about trying to be able to handle everything that's going on and the way he plays and doing a little bit more runs and things like that. Kyler, how do you feel? No, I mean, I just get you know, make the most of this game. You know, I know people have different uh, opinions on, you know, winning or losing or whatever like that, but uh, I, I play to win, so. Okay, then run the ball. Be aggressive. Use your legs. Uh, last two are about this topic of whether or not he's the guy. Question one is the nice, hey, how does it feel that Jonathan Gannon is stating publicly that he believes in you and you're the guy? It means a lot. It means a lot. But, um, you know, I think, you know, he uh, he's told me that, since, you know, since day one. So for me, it was really um, nothing that was in the back of my mind or anything like that. I wasn't really worried about it. I was just focused on going out there and playing well. Um, proving them right, proving them right. Um, and, uh, I continue to try to do that every day. 
let's go to right to the next one, Jeff Weir Production. It's that's him saying, okay, you know, I'm glad that he believes in me. But then he's asked, are you sick of it? Are, are you sick of the talk? Should you be the franchise quarterback? Are you sick of he's a short quarterback? Are you sick of people nitpicking on your game and, and the narrative that's out there? No, nah, I mean, um, I, I try to stay out of it. You know, I try to stay out of the little, uh, you know, social media, stuff like that. Uh, but I, I, every quarterback deals with it. Every player deals with it, um, some more than others. Uh, I'm not going to go on a rant about <laughs> about it, but no, I, I, like I said, I just I try to go out there and do my thing. Uh, I know what I'm capable of. So at, at the end of the day, you know, you when you win, you know, that'll shut everybody up. So obviously this year, you know, I played half a season. You know, we get an opportunity to do it again next year. I thought that was a great answer. Uh, I, I did. I, there's still a little of the body language. Oh, come on. You know, but that was a good answer. That was a good answer. I think it's a really good topic. And again, Randy Mueller, former general manager who went on the record for the athletics saying he would go forward to 2024 with Kyler Murray. Since I am not a fan of that, I can't wait to have a good conversation with him. We're going to do that. You're going to hear it Wednesday. I'm going to record it Tuesday night of next week. All right, coming up next. I've been talking about it for a while. Tommy Lloyd just kind of railroading the U of A media. Did they deserve it? And we got some Bobby Hurley for you as well. College Hoop tonight. GCU at 6.30. U of A, 7.30. ASU at 9. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. Presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Steve McCollum in the main event coming up to talk to us in 15 minutes. Full show every weekday morning at 8 o'clock. And then iOS, Izzy on Sports coming up at 10 o'clock. Six hours, local sports programming, WTSMTV.com every weekday morning. Please tell other people about us as well because there's nowhere else you're getting something like this. And the more people that start watching us, the more we grow, the more we grow, the better content we give you, the happier you are. You're a part of this as well. Please help us in our growth. This was a really strange presser with Tommy Lloyd. I, I have a, a weird opinion, okay? And this is totally being in the media for 30 years, understanding how smart coaches use the media. Um, nobody in the media asked a bad question in Tucson yesterday. Nobody. But they kept talking to Coach about the loss this weekend. They went to Stanford and Cal and didn't play well on Sunday. 
Well, yesterday was the first time they talked to Tommy Lloyd, so they were talking about last week, last weekend's game. Tommy Lloyd started off the pressure like being in a kind of a good mood. Hey, guys. Hey, let's go. I want to get moving. Let's go. And somebody asked him a great question, which was your point differential after you lose is 20 points positive. You smash teams after a loss. Why are you able? And as a guy's asking a positive question, he gets cut off. And Tommy Lloyd says, pay no mind. Pay no mind. I've never heard somebody say, pay no mind. Pay no mind. And then he rips it saying, and I understand it, nothing matters about last weekend right now. We've moved on. That game doesn't matter. We've got to focus on Colorado. A coach goes like that if he's if he really doesn't care about the media, but he cares about the message to his players. I wonder if there's actually, as good as Arizona is, if there's a little bit of a confidence issue with some of the games. They had a brutal schedule. I think that toughens you. I love the brutal schedule. But I think Tommy Lloyd is a little worried that the guys aren't feeling it right now, and he wanted to make sure that loss is squashed in their minds. And the way to do it is to squash it in the media's mind. So he starts off the presser like that. And it's contentious the whole time. And he's getting more and more sick of questions about losing in Northern California. And every now and then, every time he's asked something, he starts spinning it back of get off that loss. So here's the next one that grabbed me. He said the defense was bad in that game. Somebody in the media says that. And there's been a couple games where this is happening, this is happening. Has there been a common thread that you're seeing when the defense doesn't play like you want? I mean, you could probably find a bunch of things. I don't know if there's one common thread. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to want. Want to. You got to want to do great there. And then, you know, you have to have the discipline to execute a plan. And, you know, for long stretches this year, we have. We just, you know, kind of lost our way a little bit. And, and, you know, we'll have to, you know, see if we can get it back. Think about teaching defense. You know, a lot of times it starts with the shell or it starts with on ball. And it feels like you guys are Okay, okay here's you guys. Guys, stop. You're making, you guys are making a lot. We got our ass kicked last game by a team that was on fire. Okay, okay. You know what? Going into that game, we were the second-ranked defense in the country. So, I mean, I don't know if it's broke. We'll figure it out, and we'll see how it is tomorrow. And if it isn't tomorrow, I'll just have to keep working on it. We didn't, we're not approaching it any different than we have before. And we're not, we don't need to get into philosophical deals and start questioning, well, do we start with a shell drill? Do we start with this ball screen coverage? Going into the game, we had the second-rated defense in the country, and we got torched. So now we need to step up and see where we're at. I mean, obviously the plan was okay up to that point. I mean, if you had the 202nd ranked defense in the country, you could ask me any philosophical question you want. And then, and, and, you know, now you, you and I could go to Bob Dobbs, get out some napkins, and we could talk about, you can help me with how I want to start my base defense, and I'd, I'd probably be all ears. Now, listen, we, we've got to divide and conquer here. Number one, U of A, and if you're a Wildcat fan, help me out. I think they were 8-0, lost to the number three team in the country, who's arguably the best team at Purdue, won a couple more games, lost in double overtime to a Final Four team from last year who was ranked in the top ten. Then they had a crappy loss, okay? I think it was Stanford. Just terrible and Stanford shot unbelievably well so everybody wants to know how do you stop it and he's like guys I'm not dealing with you right now I really want to defend the media in the sense that yes U of A it's kind of your fault okay if you haven't made Tommy Lloyd available in five days coming off of a brutal loss 
The media wants to know about what happened. That's their job. Yet what is Tommy Lloyd's job? Tommy Lloyd's job is not to worry about what the media needs. What is his play? What do his players need? And it's clear by the way he handled this press conference. What his players needed to do was move off of Stanford. Rip him. I bet he ripped him. I bet he ripped him on Monday. And then, okay, now that that's over, let's build him back up. And he doesn't want sound out there dragging him back into the Stanford loss. One more. Um, you said uh, recently that the starting lineup is not guaranteed, that everything's fluid. And when you look at the way you play defense against Stanford and you look at the shots, uh, you know, it, but the bench rose up. So now that the bench is rising up, is there a fight for minutes? Da da da. He doesn't want to hear it. I mean, yeah, practices were fine this week. You know, our practice was fine, and, and, and you would, hopefully they would be after what we just went through. So, you know, but, but guys, I know you guys haven't had a chance to talk to me, and, and you guys are, like, picking at the scab a little bit. We've moved on. We're, we're 100% focused on Colorado. I, I have not said one thing about Stanford in 48 hours. You guys can scheme about all you want. You know, I have to move on. Our team has to move on, and we got a really good team. If we would have won by 20 or lost by 20, Tomorrow's game is going to be hard. So that, that's 100% where my focus is. All right. The, I, U of A fans, I want you to stay on WTSMTV.com for the rest of your life. Never go anywhere. But I got to tell you, if you get time, you might want to watch that presser. It was like that the whole time. And it's much longer than the ones that I played for you. ASU fans, here's two minutes of Bobby Hurley, if you don't mind, and you might be able to hear my question. Bobby was asked about the start of that game and both games in Northern California where they started poorly and then went on a rampage and about the offense. And he talked about players enjoying the game, playing together, staying focused together. And my follow-up to that is more about the job. Is it the player's job to find their own chemistry, or is that your job as the coach? Well, I mean, it was you kind of at a turning point where you got to make a decision. Are you going to start uh, consistently playing together, playing as a, a team, uh, sharing the ball, appreciating uh, your teammates, uh, you know, being happy for your teammates when something good happens? Uh there's a lot of things that go into becoming a team. And, you know, we uh, we showed flashes of it at different times of different games when we were desperate uh, in the non-conference. But, you know, top to bottom, it just it wasn't what we were hoping for. It hasn't come together in that regard. It didn't. Uh, so we talked a lot. I mean, it wasn't a ton of, of basketball-related adjustments that were made. It was more, you know, just trying to get everybody to – get on the same page about competing and playing for each other and playing playing the right way. And uh, I thought we did that for Stanford and for the most part, even though we got down in those games. I mean, Stanford is uh, is playing well right now uh, based on, you know, certainly their game with Arizona. So, um, you know, I thought we, we played pretty well. You know, we shot 47% in that game and uh, played well defensively, very active uh, late in the game, just, you know, with the steals and just finishing our opponent and uh, just closing that game out was, was pretty special. And then, uh, you know, we didn't play well at all at Cal, but, but uh, I think we stayed together. We stayed in the fight and, uh, and we found a way to win. In your experience, is playing together accountability all of those things you just mentioned, is that player-driven? I mean, everything's your responsibility, but is that really more about the players or is that 
something you can do to get them? Yeah, I mean, we're we're trying. Everybody has their own goals and things they want to do individually in the sport. And so, you know, when when those thoughts collide with what's best for the team, that's where you, you know, there's work to be done always. Um, but but I think we have recruited guys that that are really good guys off the court, and you know, have good character and and you know, have a, a drive and a will to win. And, and that's evidenced in multiple times where we've been at, at a really bad deficit and been able to scramble and figure out a way to win. So I, I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, getting these guys to sacrifice a little more uh, of, of their own thoughts and, and, and kind of, you know, just gravitate more to a team concept. What do you think about? Big fan of that answer because he acknowledged the individuality of players and saying it's my job to get that to mesh with team and i i don't like that that's how the world is you know i'm like there's a tiktok video right now that's gone incredibly viral of this girl from scottsdale crying saying she works three jobs and she just can't get ahead and then she admits that she makes $100,000 a year and she does Botox. She has tattoos. She's got uh, – um, she takes three vacations a year that she pays for. She's got uh, – she does her nails and her eyelashes. And she's got all of these crazy expenses that she doesn't want to cut out. But, oh, my gosh, I can't get ahead. Okay. I just – you do you, woman. Whatever your stress is, knock yourself out. Okay, you're you're you're. By the way, she lives in a, like in a nice apartment in Old Town. Like you, you knock yourself. Come on out to Goodyear if you got so many problems. We got plenty of apartments out there. Okay, and we got we got two or three places for you to go out if you want to and wear those pretty eyelashes. So, but I I listened to that, and that's an adjustment of the old school Bobby Hurley saying, "Hey, I I'm giving you that understanding. You've got your goals." But you can accomplish your goals if you think team first. That's really important for uh, where he's going. That's number one. Number two, uh, I just like how blunt he was, how bad the offense is. He was asked about the slow start in Northern California, and he immediately goes to, Utah's going to smack us in the face if we start like that. Yeah, I mean, we have to get better on offense. There's no doubt about it. It's uh, it feels great to be two and zero in the conference, but the reality is the the games are going to get more difficult. You know, starting this week, and we can't afford to play like we did in the first half versus Cal and expect to have a, a legitimate chance of winning this week. So, I'm hoping that. You know, there's some carryover from how we finished the game, and guys were hitting shots. Kamari Lance had a good, a good weekend. Uh, you know, Zoe again late in the game was very good uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, Frankie obviously, um, and and Adam, and you got to get Jemaya going, and uh, you know he's he's kind of a a big piece, and I think he's. Uh, He's like embodies what I think we could be if 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 things come together because I think our upside from where we are right now is is pretty high, and and, and a big part of that is Jemiah. So I'm, you know he had some good moments defensively, helped us win that game at Stanford, and just got to try and find a way to to get him going at the offensive end a little more. This is a name that you need to know, whether you like the draft, whether you like the Final Four, whether you just want to know about ASU. They're playing Utah tonight. Brandon Carlson's a seven-foot senior. 
averages 18 and a half points and the biggest weakness defensively for this team is rebounding in general and stopping bigs so i like this this is i mean if you want a hardcore breakdown 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 this is good of the issues of asu trying to defend this guy tonight yeah, he's a tough guard because, uh, you know, he's uh, he's very versatile and, uh, you know, he, they move him around the floor quite a bit. You know, he's obviously a big time shooter for a seven footer uh, and uh, got great length. So, you know, he could hurt you in a lot of different uh, areas. I think he's a really underrated passer, too. Just we got to be careful about. Uh, you know how we send doubles to him if if we do and, um, and and making good decisions with regards to that. I thought that's what we did very well versus Cal. You know, late in the game, Frankie guys were very active, getting into post defense and and uh, getting a deflection. Those those are big time plays. We have to use our speed to combat you know their their size. Going to be tough for you if you want to watch the game. It's at nine o'clock tonight. But if you're watching, really pay attention to that. The big guy in the middle for Utah, defending him up front, and then the crashing of guards to come down and help double team try to get some swipes. But then are they able to get back out? Uh, Carlson isn't a terrible passer, not the greatest of all time, but not terrible. Averages two and a half assists a game. How much is he going to be able to spot the open pa- the open shooter? And does that guy make the shots? And then how does that affect? There's going to be a lot of cat and mouse with this mismatch that Utah comes into the game with. The last one's kind of deep. I think we should go into this a little bit with Bobby Hurley. He actually references Kenny Dillingham in this, in which he is asked the question about dual transfers, or I should say double transfers, in which you transfer to one team, and then without graduating, you try to transfer again. There's a court case that says you're allowed to do that. The NCAA says you're not. However, it's still being argued, so it's not over yet. So as that discussion is going on with Bobby, it turns into an NIL discussion. ASU fans, I think this is important for you. I would imagine the floodgates are open. I don't know how you go back from this. I'm not, I haven't heard anything specific yet, but it's going to be uh, every year. It's going to be year to year. You know, it's going to be even you know, more. I mean, we're, we had three guys come back, like Utah. Good for them, man. They, they, they kept a core nucleus of good players that they're bringing on. They brought Carlson back. They brought Madsen back, uh, the point guard back. They brought all these guys back that now they're, they're having you know, a great season. So being able to retain guys is going to be critical you know, moving forward if you can. And it's just uh, it's going to be very resource-driven if, if that's going to be the case. Do you feel like in that, in that respect that the job of the head coach becomes fundraiser and much anything else? I'm sure, as, as Kenny discussed right after the season ended, that was his number one priority. And, and it's no different for me. I mean, I, we have to find creative ways to encourage those to invest on the front end with the thought that the results will be there on the back end. So we're still behind, but we still have people trying. And I, I think there's, uh, you know, I know in my sport, you know, you could turn this around you know, there's only 13 guys and I'm going to play like seven or eight. So, you know, if you do have enough uh, resources, you could put together a team, you know, pretty quickly that, that can be very competitive. It seems like going into the Big 12, especially, that's just monumentally important. 
Yes, it's it's the most for this program. It, it is it is the most important thing. Forget about DFA, and you know, I, I would love for it to be better for our fans and stuff down the road. That's that's a dream, you know, to to have a facility that that uh, you know a new you know beautiful facility. But number one on the list is 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 fundraising and convincing people to to donate to uh, to NIL. That's a deep that's a deep topic because think about it do you want your head coach fundraising or do you want him breaking down film recruiting and coaching yet what is recruiting now it's making sure you can pay the player so that's part of it it's there I was amazed that he just said for this program that's number 1 that's a dookie like he understands a duke I don't have to go out there and do that there's money right there uh, a season t- the season ticket holder for ASU that's here at WTSMTV.com is Steve McCollum. He's got a show coming up 8 to 10. Love for you to watch it if you're in the Unplugged Army. The main event with Dale Hellestray as well. And Steve, I don't know how you feel about what Bobby said, but I, it's not very often you hear a coach like specifically say, for this program, yeah. it's the number one thing. I agree with him, but that's still a sharp stick to say it. Uh, you heard Dillingham say it this year as yeah, well, yeah. especially. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. You you heard it more after, um, you know, uh, Ray Anderson uh, got, you know, transferred to Good a the law degree, <laughs> which I find even more interesting. Uh, it's it's kind of leads you to the point that Ray Anderson and, uh, you know, was squashing NIL talk, didn't want anything to do with it. And he was portraying that to him because the second he's let go, the second he transfers across campus to the law department. What are they talking about? We got to fundraise. We've got to get out there and fundraise. We got to do this. Both coaches. I find that fascinating. Uh, and it just goes to show you the leadership of this university has been trashed the last couple of years. It's a great point by you. And for those of you that don't remember, at the beginning of the NIL craze, which is the court of law, okay? So it's it's the law of the land. Dr. Crow was railroading it and saying, we're not going to go out there in that space. This is the world is about the student athlete. And he is old school and i i always laughed because i'm not saying you you don't have the right to that opinion yeah that's fine if he says that's how it should be but that's naia or division three stuff yeah you're allowed to go to division three but if you want to stay in division one and compete all you did was shoot your entire athletic department in the foot because now every other recruiter for every other program is going to say you don't want to go to asu their their doc yeah. their president doesn't yeah. even want nil to happen they don't want you to have money exactly, exactly. Yeah, and you yeah. nailed it because now as soon as part of that regime is out yeah. the door, where do the coaches want to go? It's, okay, let's fill back that hole that yeah. we were dug before. It's fascinating. I didn't stay up and watch that press conference, but I saw snippets this morning. And that was my first thought was, wow. I mean, Dillingham, second the season ended. He's like, everybody else is going to recruiting. I'm going fundraising. Yes. You never saw that before with these guys. So just, uh, I, I, I don't know how you don't have the belief that Ray Anderson was squashing that type of talk uh, and everything. And now that he's gone, which is also kind of interesting why they haven't got a replacement for A. Anderson yet, if I may transition to that, yes, is part of the problem because you have to conform to those standards and is Dr. Crow kind of fighting that a little bit and doesn't want somebody to do all that NIL stuff? Is that a hiccup in this process? We don't know that, but uh, it's fair to ask. Steve McCollum has just done a great job of exposing my tremendous failure because I, I have <laughs> I have not called anybody in a while. Like I got some good names for the potential ASU AD yeah. within like 
a week or two yep. of well actually within 72 hours Silence. of my first report yeah. and then two weeks after it actually happened yeah. and and i've got some good names but i have not called back no one has talked to me nobody and, knows and that's I'll tell you it's really an important yeah. point of does that lead anybody to believe good candidates are saying no yes and that's why we don't have an athletic director yeah. and that's why you're also not hearing any names or anything is because the guys that they would eye uh, probably were like nope you know you, you can come to that conclusion if you yeah. want interesting hey i know it's your show and uh and i just brought up a good point but i do have a question for you yeah. and I, so can i do you mind if i take uh, the time up go here? for it go for it okay uh so on my program for the last like month and a half roughly i've been uh saying uh from i'll just tell you guys it, it came from people within the cardinals organization mm-hmm. uh-huh. that kyler murray's the guy they are not evaluating kyler murray right uh you kind of fought me on that a little bit you told me to get new sources stuff <laughs> like that uh they have I don't think i saying, put it like that now john Jonathan Gannon was saying, you know, he wasn't saying anything all season, but the offensive coordinator was saying he's a franchise quarterback uh-huh. up to three weeks ago, a month ago. My, my biggest question is this, because I have no doubt in my mind Kyler Murray is the quarterback for this team going into next year, which means the year after that, year after that, because of contract considerations. And my, my, my serious question is, is why do guys like you could continue to kind of fight that narrative when it's just blatantly in your face and now that they're coming out and saying it it's not a knock on you I'm, I'm genuinely curious because I see it all over social media mm-hmm. all these people still naysaying on Kyle Murray and the only way I can come to the conclusion if I if I may come to this is just that you're stuck in that how he was narrative not what he is now narrative and I'm honestly curious about that uh, on why you still go that narrative with everything just shoved in your face like it is saying the opposite uh, why do uh, why do people still do that side I think it's two different things my opinion versus what is being yeah. said yeah. and what I mean by that is I totally understand the line of thinking of hey with this salary cap situation we're not going to cut him So since we're not going to cut him, of course we're going to say he's the guy. What I, since I believe he shouldn't be, I'm not like pushing a narrative that's running counter to the Cardinals. Yeah. I'm pushing the narrative of this is what I think should happen. Yeah, now, but, I have been saying for a while yeah. now what I think will happen is he's staying. Yeah, no, I, no, and that and that's what that's where I kind of get uh, convoluted there. But on the personal decision level, is more what I'm but okay. what I'm curious about because I see it all over social media from just regular fan. Kyler Murray's too short. Kyler Murray's body language. Language is bad. None of that is true anymore. Like, uh, if you watch, well, he's that still game, short. But well, yeah, I, but I, I, if I you watch that game against the Eagles, he stepped up in that pocket and mm-hmm. threw it over the lineman, hit an open, hit open receivers, stayed in the pocket. Uh, and if you if you break down the film on him, I'm just it's, it's not it's not a knock on anybody by that stretch. But I've taken a lot of heat in the last month, month and a half by saying Cardinals are not evaluating Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. They're evaluating the receivers, uh, the running backs, and those types of positions. And I, I'm just curious on why guys just kind of stick to that narrative. And I believe it's. It's just once you develop a narrative on somebody, it's hard to change that narrative. And the narrative that you have and other people have on Kyler Murray before it was factual. Uh, you can see all the talent, but there was that negative side, and I understand it. But you're not seeing any of that now. So that's what, uh, just a curiosity thing. He's, um, you're, you've nailed the body language thing. I, I, I have not, I've seen it recently, but only in pressers. And I, I want to say that's kind of 
like the lowest on the totem pole yeah. of where it matters. Yeah. Yeah. Where it really matters is on the sideline, and maybe cameras are missing it, but no, I haven't seen it. When I'm at mean, home games, I specifically watch him on yeah. the sideline, and it is not there. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. I agree with you there completely, and I have heard the same thing from within the building. What I have also heard, and maybe it's the people that I've talked to, maybe I've gravitated to people that agree with me <laughs> and, don't like and, and they're repeating it well, because they're in the building and they haven't let go of yeah, it. But area. the interesting thing is, is like the other day you pointed out, I tweeted you about this, you know, you brought up that play where, you know, the receiver was, Pascal was yes, late to yes. move and he ran the play. There was a penalty. That happens all the time in the NFL, believe it or not, to quarterbacks. It's to go, we just watched the Lions have throw it to an ineligible guy that the referee said was ineligible, but the Lions were like, no, we're still throwing it to that guy, right? Those yep. mistakes happen to veteran quarterback. And it's just, I'm just curious on that negative perception. When that happens, you can like, well, you locked on to it, right? And it's like, man, that was just one thing, and he's improved so much and, and everything. So it's just a curious thing. Good talk. Thank yeah. you. Coming up, eight to ten. I would. I feel bad. I don't want to make this sound like I got the last word because it's a great topic and Steve brought up great points. The thing I mentioned, if you didn't hear the show a couple days ago, there was a play which in which the penalty, Pascal's got to pay better attention, but a veteran quarterback cannot make the mistake of sending a guy into motion before everybody still. The Detroit situation is, to me, different because that's not a quarterback mistake. The quarterback has to rely on, did the lineman correctly report? That, that He doesn't know whether or not he correctly reported. Now, the referee announces who is reported, but I got to tell you, the times I've been on an NFL field, if you're standing on the field, you barely hear the ref. That's why you see so many times a coach saying to the linesman, the headlinesman, the down judge, somebody like that, hey, what, what, who's the, what was the number? Who's the penalty on? What happened here? Wait, what? They don't hear that announcement by the referee. The speakers are aimed out to the field. So there's no way a quarterback is going to be in the huddle and hear, wait a minute, that's not who reported. He's running the play thinking that guy reported correctly. So he threw it to an eligible receiver, as the Lions continually say. Now, I admit, I don't know who's telling the truth. I don't have any idea who's telling the truth. The Lions are adamant they correctly reported the receiver that caught the ball. And the NFL is totally either just embarrassingly hiding from true facts because they don't want to face the music or the Lions are lying. I admit, I don't know which one. I believe the Lions. I do. I don't know which one on that. I, I really I really like that talk. It's a good conversation. And it keeps it, – it, it's – Going forward, we'll see who who ends up being right if the Cardinals are totally backing him. And Jonathan Gannon is doing a great job, I would say, of not making it sound like it's salary cap related. Because that's where I'm going. I believe they back him totally because what else are we going to do? We can't get hammered by that. We got $50 million to spend next year on somebody that can help Kyler Murray win. I think their narrative is let's do that, and if Kyler Murray fails next year, now we know he's not the guy. But it's that's a better plan to them than having like 40 million of that 50 million eaten up by cutting Kyler Murray, and then we've only got 10 million dollars to spend on free agency. What are we really going to learn about a new 
young quarterback if we can't put anybody around him either. It's, it's a great conversation about roster building. The question I'm not sold on, and clearly Steve is, is if Kyler Murray was a $3 million hit, which is totally made up, and he's had this track record and this season, would you totally be invested and embedded with him next year if it was easy to cut him? Jonathan Gannon is selling it hard. Yeah, he's, it's not even a question. Okay, we'll see. Um, versus Vegas. I Brooklyn, what happened? I feel so good about crushing a pick yesterday. I told you after that huge win at Oklahoma City against Boston, to be on the back end of a back-to-back and go to Atlanta is the true test of a young team. Really a great test on are you focused, game in, game out, have you really arrived? And they lost by three. And I told you go with Atlanta. Now, I wussed out a little bit. I took Atlanta plus the two. And I would have, I had like negative 110 or something like that. So that's not bad. Minus 110. But I could have had around plus 140 juice if I would have taken Atlanta on the money line. And I didn't. Give me points. I wanted to make sure I'm right. That's that's a bad gambler, but like a smart investor. Hey, just be right. You always make money. But where I was wrong yesterday, Houston, I... Brooklyn lost on the back end of a back-to-back, or one on the lost on the front end of. Wait, did I butcher that? Good morning. Is it Beer Friday right now? Try that again. Brooklyn lost on the front end of a back-to-back, and going up against a bad Houston team, I really thought Brooklyn would bring it. And I normally go against every team on the back end of a back-to-back, or I don't touch it. Like today, for an example. Um, San Antonio's hosting, I'd have to cheat and look it up, somebody on the back end of a back-to-back. And there's by far, San Antonio's hosting Milwaukee. Milwaukee's on the back end of a back-to-back. They just lost. Milwaukee's not happy losing to Indiana. Not an easy flight, Indiana to San Antonio. I'm sure normally I would say easy San Antonio plus the points. I'm not touching that game because it's San Antonio and they're Milwaukee, right? They're still Milwaukee. But normally that's how I go. I looked at that game with Brooklyn and thought, you got beat so bad by New Orleans. I know it's the back end of a back-to-back, but I'm getting five points with a good team. You're going to be angry at the world and do something about it. They didn't. Houston won 112-101. I had five points. They lost by 11. So I end up 1-1 one and one on the day. I'm 10-67, 9-72, and 8. Still way up on units, but under 53%. Today, a Denver, the Nuggets, I've only got two games for you. Nuggets take on Golden State. Uh, I'm going to take Denver on the money line. It's only like a minus three spread for Denver on the road. I don't want that spread. I don't want the cover. But I don't trust Golden State right now. And I think anytime you can get Denver on the money line when it's not a back-to-back and the juice is only minus 140, you take it. You take it. You'll get better juice if you think they can lay the points, but for me, just be right. So I like that one. And coming off a U of A's loss, I, I think I think they got the hammer dropped on them by Tommy Lloyd. And looking at the edginess of his presser, I like them covering 12 and a half. And that's a tough cover. Colorado's pretty good, but 
I think Arizona's going to come out guns ablaze again. I think the fans are going to embrace Tommy Lloyd's presser, and I think it's going to be a good barn tonight. So I'm going to take U of A minus the 12.5 against Colorado. I'm not going for blood money, but Utah, I think Utah's only laying four and a half or five points. I will not go for blood money. I'm rooting for ASU. I'm not going to bet on Utah just to win. Man, I think that's an easy cover for Utah, but I'm not writing it down. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedwhirlwind.com to get a great deal on Whirlwind Plus. Our other sponsors that carry us, Bell's Nashville Kitchen in Scottsdale, Rosati's the official sports bar, but only the one in Chandler, 100 Mile Brewery in Tempe, the only brewer that's the official brewer of Doug Franz Unplugged, and Parker & Sons. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.